welcome to the Fantasy Streamer Podcast. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to episode number three of the Fantasy Streamer Podcast. The podcast that's going to help you win your fantasy football leagues by streaming quarterbacks, running backs, tight ends, wide receivers, and defenses. You can find me on Twitter at the FF Streamer, and on Twitter you will find some details to some jerseys I'll be giving away, a signed Devontae Adams jersey, a signed Amari Cooper jersey, and a signed Le'Veon Bell jersey if Bell ever shows up. Just a quick recap of some of the streamers from last week. At quarterback, we had Marcus Mariota, who got injured, obviously, so hopefully you didn't end up playing him. Uh, We had Andy Dalton, who had a fine game against the Colts, uh, and Tyrod Taylor, who had a really, really good game. His rushing obviously saved him, but he had a really good game against the Steelers. At running back, we had Corey Clement, who got uh, 2.6 points and half-point PPR scoring. Um, as I mentioned last week, Jay Ajayi's health played a big part in that, and apparently it was all all systems go for Ajayi, which was bad news for Clement and could be bad news again this week. We also had Theo Riddick and Bilal Powell, who had six and seven points respectively, so not, not bad games by any stretch. They didn't win you the week, but if you needed to spot start them, they didn't lose you the week either, which was nice. At... Wide receiver, we had some not bad performances at all. We had John Ross, who had 6.8 points, uh, which was (laughs) saved by his touchdown reception of three yards. Keelan Cole had 6.9 points, and John Brown had a pretty nice game with 11.9. At tight end, uh, Vance McDonald was hurt, so hopefully he wasn't in your lineup, because obviously he did nothing. Charles Clay was not hurt, but he did absolutely nothing. A total goose egg from him on, I think it was one target. Just brutal. Hopefully you didn't play him. Hopefully you picked the third guy on my list. It was my favorite stream this week. I streamed him in multiple leagues. And in PPR formats, he's tight end number one. It's Jared Cook. What a great game for him. We'll talk more about him later, so I'm not going to talk too much now. But hopefully you got to play Cook this week. For defenses, um, no no great performances from the streamers that I mentioned. But again, like they didn't lose you the week by any stretch of the imagination. The Lions D scored 7 points, the Falcons D scored 8, and the Panthers scored 13. Like They were a top 7 defense, so again, not, not bad at all there. And I think you can expect more of the same from this week's streaming defenses, which we'll get into in a little bit. But let's not start with the defenses. Let's start with the big boys at quarterback. This week, my quarterback streamers start with Eli Manning, who's owned in about 16% of leagues. Week 1 against the Jags, he posted a line of 23 for 37 for 224 yards, no touchdowns, and one interception, which probably begs the question why he's one of my top streaming candidates this week. But last week, he went up against the number one pass defense in the NFL in Jacksonville. And this week, he gets the Cowboys, who are just very average against the pass. Dallas has the number 17-ranked pass defense, according to Pro Football Focus. Last year, they were ranked number 15 in points given up to the quarterback position in fantasy football. And so I think that's just what you're going to get from Eli. He's going to have a really average day. He's going to throw for 250, 280 yards, 
two touchdowns. I don't think he's going to throw any interceptions. He's playing in Pat Shermer's really quarterback-friendly offense, really efficient offense. And, I mean, let's be honest, you're not streaming Eli Manning because you want a top three quarterback on the week. You're streaming Eli Manning because you waited on quarterbacks so late. You have a really strong roster of wide receivers, running backs, maybe tight ends. But you're, you just have a deep roster and you don't need a top three performance. You just need a really average day. And I think that's what you're going to get from Eli. I think you can count on him to be a quarterback 9-12 to 12 this week, which is all you need for a win. And I think that that's locked and loaded. I would play Eli with confidence. My number two quarterback this week is Tyrod Taylor. In week one, he posted a line of 15 for 40 for 197 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions, throwing the ball. He also rushed eight times for 77 yards and a touchdown, which really helped make him a quarterback one because his throwing line wasn't too great. But there was pretty bad weather in Cleveland for week one. It was very rainy, and I think that that definitely helped cause a bit of his inefficiencies. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend that Tyrod is a top five quarterback this week or any week. I mean, obviously he's got that upside once in a while, but you're not banking on that. But he is playing in a dome this week in New Orleans. You saw what Ryan Fitzpatrick did to that defense. And I think that was a bit of a mirage. I have absolutely zero confidence in Tyrod doing what Fitzmagic did in week one. But I think Tyrod showed his rushing floor like... 8 for 77 and a touchdown on the ground. Not that I'm calling for that to happen again, but you know that Tyrod's going to run. He's going to scramble when the play breaks down. He's going to make things happen with his legs. He's going to extend plays. He's got big play receivers like Josh Gordon. I think he's got a safe floor. And Todd Haley's, again, kind of like Pat Shermer, I'm, I'm just banking on Todd Haley's offensive system here. And I think that Tyrod is a safe quarterback, just like Eli, 9 to 12. You're not streaming him because you drafted Brady, and Brady has a bad matchup, but you drafted Rodgers, and he plays the Vikings, right? You're playing Tyrod because you're streaming quarterbacks, and I think he's a fine streaming play in Week 2. And my last quarterback streamer might scare you a bit. It is kind of scares me, to be honest. It's Nick Foles of the Philadelphia Eagles. Week 1, he went 19 of 34 for 117 yards, no touchdowns, and one interception which I I feel like I could do that. Obviously, I couldn't, but it's just one of those lines that's just horrendous to look at. He was bad in the preseason, which made me think he was going to be bad in week one, and that's why the Falcons were one of my streaming defenses. And that's scary. You know, when someone's bad in the preseason, they're bad in week one, they don't pass the eye test. And I mean, to be honest, Foles doesn't have this long, successful career. He's been pretty average at best most of his career like to me he's been bad but if someone wants to say he's been average I'm not going to sit there and argue with you but I'm not here to make fun of Nick Foles I am here to tell you why you should play him so a couple things working in Nick Foles corner they played on Thursday so he's got an extra couple days of preparation which in the NFL if used properly can go a very long way to a competitive advantage as I mentioned before you're not expecting a top three performance from him and I don't think you're going to get one but similar to Eli, you're hoping for 250, 260 yards, two or three touchdowns, hopefully no turnovers. He gets the awful Buccaneers defense, which Breeze torched them for 
Breeze went 37 of 45, which is an absurd completion percentage for 439 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions. That's ridiculous. Do I think Foles is going to do that? Absolutely not. But do I think the Bucks' defense is bad and that Foles can have a pretty decent day against them? Yes, I do. I also think that I know Fitzpatrick had, you know, four touchdowns and no interceptions this week. I think Fitzpatrick can throw three or four picks in a game too. I don't think he's going to do that, but I do think Fitzpatrick will turn the ball over at some point. And I think that Philly might have some shorter fields than normal this week, which really, you know, Foles could throw 230 yards and three or four touchdowns, which would be in a great streaming week. So, I mean, I'm not in love with any of these three quarterbacks, but I think you can start Eli Manning, Tyrod Taylor, Nick Foles, and I don't think any of them are going to lose the week for you. I think all three will be low-end quarterback ones, high-end quarterbacks twos, and I think they're all safe, and that's one of the most important things when streaming is, you know, you grab a guy and you're like, well, hopefully he doesn't lose it for me, and, and I think you're safe with these guys. I think you're going to have a fine, a, just a fine week too. All right, let's hop over to the running back position where I am starting with TJ Yeldon, who's only owned in 8% of leagues. In week one, he posted a line of 14 for 51 on the ground, and he caught three receptions for 18 yards and one touchdown. The biggest thing here is that Fournette is hurt. I don't know the extent of his hamstring injury. It's something to monitor, obviously. If Fournette's cleared 100%, Yeldon isn't as good of a play. But let's be honest, Fournette's injured, and he's injury-prone. He's been injured in high school. He's been injured in college. He's had one year in the pros. He was injured then, and he's banged up now. And unfortunately for him, hamstring injuries, they linger. They're not something that just heals overnight. They often reoccur. They, Like I said, they linger for weeks, sometimes months on end, and they can lead to other injuries because you're not running the same year you're compensating because of that injury and it can just lead to other bad things happening. So Fournette's health really scares me, especially long-term. Like Yeldon's someone you could pick up that might have long-term value for you. But I think he's a, a good play in week two. The Patriots obviously have a fairly strong defense. And if I'm a betting man, I think Belichick is going to stack the box. He's going to make Blake Bortles beat him. I don't think he's going to try to let the Jaguars just run all over his defense and play two safeties deep. But if Fournette doesn't play, Yeldon is a great play. And if Fournette does play, Yeldon's still not bad. I mean, he's got receiving upside. Kind of similar to last week when I mentioned Ajay and Clement. I, I don't think that they're just going to give Fournette a full workload with how injury-prone he's been lately throughout his career and how his health right now. So... I think Yeldon is a fine play. Last week, Lamar Miller rushed 20 times for 98 yards with the worst-ranked offensive line, according to Pro Football Focus. And I'm not saying the Jaguars have the number one offensive line, but it's a lot better than the Texans. Like, a lot better. So I'm not calling for Yeldon to be a top-five running back this week, but I do think he's a running back, too, and I absolutely think he's somebody you can start and stream. My second running back on the list is a familiar face from week one. It's below Powell. He's about 56% owned, so, you know, he might not be there for you, but it's a coin flip. He might be. Week one, he rushed 12 times for 60 yards. He had a reception as well for five yards, 
And I mean, he's averaging five yards a touch in week one against, as I said before, a pretty underrated Lions defense. Crowell had two touchdowns in week one, and if Powell somehow got one of those, he would have had a fantastic week. So it wasn't like usage was down or anything. He led the team in rushing attempts. Crowell just busted a long touchdown, or he would have led them in, in rushing and rushing attempts. And, I mean, he gets Miami. Miami doesn't have a great defense. Deion Lewis had a pretty efficient game against them. And similar to the quarterbacks I mentioned, like you're not streaming below Powell because you think he's a top two or three running back this week. You're streaming him because of need, right? Like you either have an injury or you have a couple suspensions on your roster and you're just trying to get by until those players get back. And I think Powell is the starting running back. You know, when they were, when it was a close game, Powell was getting a lot of the work. The snaps and the carries evened out over the game, but I mean, in halfway through the third quarter, the Jets were up like 21, 30 points. They were destroying the Lions, and so Crowell got a lot of work later in the game. So I think that Powell is the starting running back. I don't think he's amazing by any stretch of the imagination, but I think you can play him this week against the Dolphins and get decent production. Another familiar face from last week is Theo Riddick with 44% ownership. He rushed four times for 20 yards, which surprisingly led the Lions in rushing. And he caught five of seven targets for 15 yards. Obviously, three yards a, per- a reception isn't great. But game script really got away from the Lions here. They were down a lot very fast. The Jets scored a lot of points quickly, and the Lions didn't have time to orchestrate drives or nickel and dime their way down the field with Riddick. They really had to open it up and take some shots, which led to a lot of other problems for the Lions. But last week, Minnesota rushed for 116 yards against the 49ers. I don't think that Riddick has a huge rushing upside, but again, kind of like the 20 yards he got this week, I think he's going to get a few points that way. Dalvin Cook caught six of seven targets for 55 yards against the Niners, and I think that is the important number to look at here. I think Riddick has really good chops in the receiving game, and he's poised for a nice week here. I think the Lions were embarrassed on their home turf at Ford Field in Detroit in week one, to the Jets, no less. And I think they're going to be hungry to come out and, and prove themselves that they're... I think this isn't a bad team. And I think they're really going to want to show people that. And so I think that they trust Riddick. Like I said before, I think Carrion Johnson is the most talented running back on the roster. But he's still a rookie. And I think that they trust Riddick enough to get him a decent number of snaps, a decent number of targets. And I think that's going to prove to be a viable production streaming him, um, especially in PPR. Got a little bonus running back here as my fourth streaming candidate. It's Philip Lindsay of the Broncos. He split time with Royce Freeman. They both rushed the ball 15 times for 71 yards. Lindsay caught two of three targets for 31 yards and a touchdown. And I do think Royce Freeman is a very capable receiving back in the NFL, but I think Lindsay is the best receiving back on that roster. And so I think that that's what's going to get him on the field. He's going to get third down work as well as his touches. It does concern me a little bit that he was the most efficient running back in week one with regards to touches per snap. So he wasn't getting a ton of snaps, but when he was out there, he was touching the ball. So you can see this both ways. Like you can see this as he's not getting as many snaps and 
his workload is going to come down in the coming weeks. Or you can see it as he's not getting as many snaps, but they're putting him out there specifically with a game plan to get him the ball, to get him touches. What the truth is behind that, I don't really know. So I'm not thrilled to start him, but he's more of a, a sneaky play in deeper leagues. He gets the, the Raiders this week. Uh, Gurley went, rushed 20 times for 108 yards. He caught three of five targets for 39 yards and a touchdown. And the last thing I'm doing is comparing Lindsay to Todd Gurley because that would be absurd. But what I'm saying is there's fantasy points to be had. The Raiders have an okay defense at best. I think that they played pretty well in week one. I don't think that their defense is that good, especially after the trading Khalil Mack. And so I think that Lindsey can have, very similar to, to his week one production, maybe not the touchdown, but he might be able to have close to 100 all-purpose yards, and that would be great to pick him up waivers and stream him. It's Like I said, especially in a deep league. So not someone I'm thrilled about, but... If you can't find better options, I think he is somebody to, to keep an eye on. All right, let's jump into the wide receivers here. First off, we have Mike Williams with a 35% ownership rate. Last week against the Chiefs, he caught five of seven targets for 81 yards, which shows me that Rivers was looking his way. He was third on the team in receiving yards behind Keenan Allen and Melvin Gordon. And I don't think Melvin Gordon's going to get 100 yards receiving a game, although I think Gordon is a, a phenomenal back. But to me, this this is more about the, the Bills. Last week, the Ravens beat the Bills 47-3. to I'm going to repeat that one, one time for you quick. 47-3. to And I don't think the Ravens are great. I think the Chargers are a much more complete and rounded team. I think both teams have very, very elite defenses, but I think that the Chargers' offense is significantly better. I think that whether it's Nathan Peterman or Josh Allen, that they're going to turn the ball over a couple times. I think the Chargers are going to have short fields. And Mike Williams is a monster in the red zone. Like, he is huge. He is by far their best red zone threat in my eyes. And Flacco threw three touchdowns in week one against the Bills. I think Rivers can easily duplicate that. So that's what you're, when you play Williams, you know, you're hoping for 40 to 60 yards and a touchdown or two. And I think this is as good a matchup as you're going to find all season for him to put up a line like that. With obviously upside of, of more yards. My second wide receiver is Quincy Anuma of the Jets. Week one on Monday night against the Lions, he caught six of 10 targets for 63 yards and a touchdown. And I think what really stood out in week one is we didn't really know how the Jets offense was going to look with Sam Darnold under center. And we didn't really know who he was going to look to, who was going to be his first read when he was out there. And I think it was clear. It was a Numa in clutch situations on third downs. He was looking Quincy Numa's way. I think that the Jets are trying to protect Sam Darnold from really opening it up in college in four, his last year of college in 14 games, he had 22 turnovers. And I mentioned that in, in the, week one episode of the podcast why I like the Lions defense the stream was that Darnold just turned the ball over at an alarming rate he's got a lot of talent but he just turned the ball over a lot and so I think rather than really open up the field with a guy like Robbie Anderson the Jets are going to try to nickel and dime their way a little more and 
be more conservative and try to get Donald to be more conservative. And that means a lot more targets and opportunities for a guy like Quincy Anuma. I think he's going to lead the team in targets and receptions. And I think that that goes a long way in the streaming. You know, targets are hard to find off the waiver wire. And 9%, I mean, that's going to skyrocket after week one. So I think you grab him now while you still can. Um, week two, he gets to go against Miami, who is number 26 in the NFL against the pass, according to Pro Football Focus. So, you know, he just got a good matchup. If Darnold's going to give him 10 targets a game and he's playing a, a bottom 6-7 defense against the pass, I'm going to fire him up all day. I would pick him up and start him over players that I drafted. So he's one of those guys I, I think you can start with confidence. I don't think you're going to get, you know, wide receiver one numbers from him, but he is a playable asset for sure. A third wide receiver is a guy I targeted in all of my leagues in the later rounds. It's Geronimo Allison of the Green Bay Packers. He's just like Anuma, owned about 9% of leagues. Week one, he caught five of eight targets for 69 yards and a touchdown. He is clearly the number two or three target for Rodgers, depending on your opinion on Cobb and depending on Cobb's health. Last year, Minnesota gave up 49 yards to wide receiver twos and 51 to wide receiver threes. So, obviously, they were a really good pass defense, and they were good against wide receiver one and twos, but wide receiver threes is where they started to lose a bit of their top ten defensive status. And I don't think that Minnesota is a bad defense by any stretch, or even a bad play, even against Aaron Rodgers. You know, I think that they are a top three defense in the league, maybe even number one. What I'm saying is, you got to think Aaron Rodgers is throwing for 250 yards. Like, Aaron Rodgers is one of the best ever. And so, if he's throwing for 250 you know, maybe high and maybe he throws for a 300 yard against Minnesota. Where are those yards going? You got to allocate them somewhere. If Minnesota is great at shutting down the ones and twos, even just the one or the two, they erase one of them from the game plan. Then Geronimo instantly becomes the number two option there. And I, you know, I think he's going to get another 60 to 80 yards with upside, right? Like he, he has a lot of upside if Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb both draw tough corner matchups against the Vikings. Geronimo Allison could, could easily have 100 yards receiving in this game. Do I think that's going to happen? No. But do I think in a PPR league he's going to get enough targets and receptions with maybe a touchdown? Yeah. Um, I think there are better options to stream, and I would definitely start a Numois over him. But I think if you're pressed, kind of like how I mentioned earlier, with suspensions or injuries, I think... Geronimo Allison is somebody you can throw in your lineup, and he's not going to lose you the week. All right, let's hop over to the tight end position quick. Hopefully you listened to me last week when I said to pick up Jared Cook because he caught 9 of 12 targets for 180 yards, which is just insane. As I mentioned last week, Gruden loves the tight end position. He did his last couple years coaching the Buccaneers, and it looks like he does so far this year. And, I mean, Cook's not a bad tight end. He's big. He's athletic. He's a tough matchup for safeties or linebackers. Like it's, it's hard to match up with the guy. He's not elite or anything, but he's just a really solid tight end. Last year, Denver was number 31 against the tight end position, or second worst in giving up over 63 yards a game. So you got to think that if Cook is going to get I mean, I'm not calling for 12 targets again, but if he gets seven or eight targets, you got to think he's going to have another tight end one week. And if you can pick up a tight end one off the waivers, that's great. 
I'm not picking up the tight end one off waivers like he was this week. I, I don't think that's going to happen again, but I think he's a very viable option. Like very, I'm targeting him everywhere I don't already have him. And luckily for me, I picked him up in a lot of leagues last week. Uh, and furthermore, against the Broncos, like, I mean, they do have a really good pass defense, a really good defense overall, but Will Disley, rookie tight end for the Seattle Seahawks. That's right. Will Disley caught three of five targets for 105 yards and a touchdown against the Broncos in week one. So it doesn't look like the Broncos have fixed their issues guarding the tight end position so far in 2018. And I just think Cook is is a very great option to stream this week. He's very safe. My second tight end is George Kittle of the 49ers. In week one, he got five of nine targets for 90 yards versus a very good Minnesota defense. Last year, they were number two in yards given up against the tight end position. Since Garoppolo has come to San Francisco, Kittle's been great. Furthermore, uh, Marquise Goodwin got hurt in week one. His uh, status for week two is uncertain. It's up in the air. I personally think that Kittle is very safe, very streamable in week two, even if Goodwin plays. I think he's a great play if Goodwin's out. So that's something to, to monitor for sure. But like I said, I think you play him either way. In 2017, Detroit was uh, 26th best or, you know, 6th, 7th worst against the tight end position. And I think that Kittle is going to exploit them. He's a tough matchup for them. Detroit has a good pass defense, you know, like I'm not saying they're going to shut out guys like Goodwin or Garcon, but they're going to make things tough. And I think that Garoppolo's going to use Kittle. I think Kittle has a, a very safe floor of 50, 60 yards with, you know, he could go off for 150 and I wouldn't be shocked at all in this kind of matchup, especially if the Lions don't bounce back. The Lions are one of those teams that we too could make or break their entire season. They could come back and show everyone that, hey, they're a good team. They just laid an egg in week one. Or they could come out and just have a, have a repeat of week one. And their season could become a disaster really fast. I don't really know what to expect. If I was a betting man, I think that the Lions are going to bounce back. But I'm throwing Kittle out there with zero hesitation. I'm not scared of the Lions shutting him down at all. I have... Two little bonus tight ends here. Rather than pick one of them, I thought I would just give a quick quick spiel on each. So Antonio Gates, I I don't love him, but it's one of those things. He plays the Bills. I think the Bills are going to give up a lot of points. I think there could be some short fields where Gates could just post a line with 20 to 40 yards, but a touchdown or two. And that instantly puts him in tight end one territory. So I think he's a risky play because he could do pretty much nothing for you but he's one of those guys that if you're desperate in a really deep league you could play him the other one I like a little more it's Ricky Seals Jones of the Cardinals he didn't have a great week one but he dropped a touchdown reception that he should have caught and he had six targets so if he caught that touchdown people would be very high on him and he would be one of the higher ranked tight ends going into waivers luckily for you he dropped it and so I don't think he's going to be hard to get. You know, I think you can bet them, bet $0, bet a dollar and pick him up. And more importantly, he gets the Rams this week. You saw what Jared Cook did to them. I'm not at all calling for Ricky Seals-Jones to do what Jared Cook did to them. But 
The Rams have really good corners. They are going to make things tough to move the ball to the wide receivers. I think that there's going to be a lot of checkdowns to guys like Ricky Seals-Jones and David Johnson. And I think I would start Ricky Seals-Jones with a lot of confidence this week. I don't think he's a stud, but I think he does offer low-end, tight-end one numbers. And I think he's, you know, as free as tight ends come right now. So, obviously, he's the last name on the list. He's not someone that I'm all over this week. But if you're in a really deep league and everyone else is already gone, he's a very cheap option that I don't think will lose you your week two. All right, let's finish up with some defenses here. My first one is the Bears defense with a 40% ownership rate. I... Really thought that Bears defense was underrated. They were top 10 last year before acquiring Mac from the Raiders. You saw what Mac himself did against Aaron Rodgers, who's arguably the best quarterback in the NFL in 2018. And this is going to be the home opener for the Bears. I think that this defense is great. And they get the Seahawks. I love Wilson as a quarterback, but his O-line is awful. Their run game isn't very good, and I think that Bears front seven is going to absolutely eat his offensive line apart. It's going to make his day really long, and it's, you know, the Bears could have seven or eight sacks in this game. I mean, I don't think they're going to get that many, but, you know, they really have that upside. I think they're guaranteed to get two or three sacks, and I think they just have a safe floor. I, I can't see the Seahawks putting up 40 points. I think at worst, the Bears are going to be like the defense 10 or 11 on the week, which is just fine to stream. Obviously, I think they have upside. They scored a touchdown against the Packers. I think that they have that upside almost every week. They're a really good D. So I think it's one of those defenses with a really safe floor and a fairly high ceiling, especially in, in this week two matchup with the Seattle Seahawks. My second defense is the Carolina Panthers. They're on about 45% of leagues. I think their matchup with the Falcons is going to be very similar to the Falcons-Eagles week one matchup. It's just going to be an ugly game. It's going to be a really hard-fought divisional game. I don't think it's going to be a shootout. I think it's two not-bad defenses against two not-bad offenses. Um, and I just think that, you know, they, they dominated the Cowboys offense in week one. Devonta Freeman is is banged up right now. And I know that Tevin Coleman is a great backup, but you know that, you know, Freeman and, and Coleman bring different elements to the table. And so when they're both healthy, it's a very dynamic backfield. When one of them's hurt, you know, they're they're just not the same. And so this to me just, just has one of the feelings of a low scoring game. And in a low scoring game, it's just really safe to pick one of the defenses. I think there are going to be a couple sacks, maybe a turnover, and, you know, 15 to 20 points given up. So nothing exciting by any stretch of the imagination. This is not a game I really want to watch. But I think you can play the Panthers' defense. And, again, they're not going to lose you the week the way the Saints lost you in week one. The last defense is only 3% owned. I actually really like them this week. It's the Bengals. You know, they were a good defense last year. They didn't play bad in week one. I mean, they gave up 300 yards passing to Andrew Luck, but it's Andrew Luck. I mean, he's great. They didn't give up much rushing to the Colts run game, and you can say what you want about the Colts offensive line or running backs, but, you know, they did nothing against the Bengals. And so 
I think it's going to be more of the same in week two. But they play Flacco and the Ravens. Um, the Ravens aren't a very good offense, and that's just kind of how it is. Much like the Panthers-Falcons game, I think this is going to be really low scoring. This is going to be a dogfight. It's, it's at home in Cincinnati. It's a Thursday night game. And in week one, like I said, I mean, they gave up 300 yards passing to luck, but they only gave up 23 points and they scored a defensive touchdown. So they were top top 12 defense in week one. And I think they're going to be top 12 again this week. This this Bengals Ravens game could like 100 percent be a, a 16 to nine game, a 16, 13 game. And I wouldn't be surprised whatsoever. So I think you can play the Bengals defense with confidence and I would start them over the Panthers. Uh, I would probably start the Bears over the Bengals, but I would rank them Bears, Bengals, Panthers, and I have zero issues targeting the Bengals. I will be targeting them in a lot of leagues. No, it's one of those things that I think the defenses that performed really well in Week 1 or have the really juicy Week 2 matchups are going to go for a couple dollars in fab or someone's going to waste a high waiver priority on them. But for me, you know, I'm going to target one of these running backs, one of these quarterbacks, one of these tight ends that I mentioned with that priority or with a few dollars of fab and then just grab the Bengals for zero dollars. And I think you're going to get great production out of them. You're going to be a very, very happy with with starting them in week two, assuming you don't have a better option on your team already. All right, guys, that does it for week two. Thanks for listening. As I mentioned, head over to Twitter at VFFStreamer with any questions you have at all and take a peek at the jerseys you can win. The Devontae Adams, Amari Cooper, Lev Bell. There's more to come. That's just, just to start for now. Good luck in week two. And as always, happy streaming. See you guys next week.